Lord Almighty, we give you glory this morning. Thank you for welcoming us into your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing your word into our presence. Thank you, Almighty Father, for sending God the Son to us. God the Spirit, we welcome you and we ask that you would open our eyes and ears. Help us to see and hear and know and feel and live by the truth you have for us. Let us be the men and women of God that you have created us to be. Let us be blessed so that we will be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Good news comes almost every day to me. My wife calls out, dinner's ready. I usually stick my head out the back door and yay, vamos a comer to my child or children jumping on the trampoline or swinging in the backyard. Now, I recognize there are layers of blessing that are in that statement. Lots of good news. Good news of food. Good news of kids. Good news of healthy kids. Good news of food. I recognize I am wonderfully blessed and I am grateful to the Almighty God for it. In fact, my first application for us today as we get to God's Word is count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings to see what God has done. Why? Because we all need good news. There is enough bad news out in the world. We need good news, or as the Bible usually translates it, gospel. Now, you may or may not know this, but the word gospel occurred before the New Testament was written. Messengers for the king or some government official would come into town and they would stand in the square. And if they brought good news, they would yell out to everybody, Euangelion! And the people then hearing that would be able to relax and they wouldn't be worried that the emperor was going to bring them some new tax or something. Now, most often, presumably, the good news was some military victory. But perhaps You know, the emperor had a birthday, or the city added some new lions for the gladiatorial games. Also, usually, unless you were a diehard fan of the emperor, that good news had very little to do with you. Separately, the good news also was experienced in the Jewish Old Testament tradition. Now, Of course, somebody coming into the town might be sharing the good news of some military victory. But primarily, good news had to do with God acting on behalf of his people. Isaiah 52 is the biblical example of good news in the Old Testament. Isaiah writes, How beautiful upon the mountain." are the feet of him who brings good news. Who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Amen. Come quickly. 
Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared His holy arm before the eyes of the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. The good news, according to Isaiah, is your God reigns, O people of God. And those who proclaim this good news have beautiful feet because they proclaim peace. They preach the only source of happiness. There is only one source of human flourishing, and that is that the biblical God reigns. Amen. Therefore, people of God, sing, dance. All you who live in the wasteland of the world as it is right now. The Lord has bared His arm. He is ready to take action. Oh, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And I want you to notice that this good news according to Isaiah, your God reigns, O people of the Lord. Your God reigns is the same good news as we find in Mark. Mark Chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the good news. And the good news is, He reigns. In ways that will be clearer as we go through uh, three sermons on this one verse. As we go through this, it will become clearer that Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is God the Father's appointed servant to rule. Jesus is also the Son of God. He is God with skin on. He is the only one who can bear the sins of the world and live to tell the tale. We will spend several months examining in detail the good news according to Mark. The good news, according to Mark, is his letter to the church so that you and I can know God better and therefore love Him and trust Him more. The good news, according to Mark, is intentionally a narrative of this person, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who first made salvation possible, then also gives power to live in this salvation while we suffer on this earth. Jesus is the good news. And the message of the good news according to Mark, in one sentence, if you boiled the whole letter down, what you would get is the Son of God accompanies His disciples to glory through suffering. The Son of God accompanies His disciples to glory through suffering. Now, as we come to this good news, we need to be careful to understand several terms. We need to understand what it is Mark is talking about in his terms so that we are not importing our own ideas into the mix and becoming confused. So we look at Mark 1.1. And today we begin seeking to understand the word, the gospel. 
How does the New Testament use this word taken from ordinary, everyday Greek life in the first century? And then, how do we understand how to live by it today? How do we pursue this good news in our daily life today? So we begin by seeking to understand how Paul views the good news. And he tells us in Romans chapter 1, first starting in verse 1, Paul, servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Okay, here is the gospel of God. This gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Okay, now, That's great. We find it in the Old Testament. But what is this good news about? The gospel of God concerning His Son. The gospel of God is Jesus Christ. Now he's going to describe what's going on here. We're going to find two things in Romans 1. Concerning His Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So the first thing we realize is that this good news is about Jesus. But then we find out that this good news is not only about Jesus, but there is a point to it. And that's what we see in verse 5, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the good news of God. God's good news concerns his son, Jesus. Now, obviously, there's more to this story that we need to understand. Of course, there is. But we find a little piece of that just a few verses later in verses 16 and 17 where Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. So the gospel of God is about Jesus and this gospel is power to accomplish salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel of God concerning his son, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the one who by faith is righteous shall live. The good news of God concerning his son, Jesus, is the power of God for salvation. Now the question is, how do we tap into that power? How do we appropriate that power? Well, Paul says, by faith, by trusting the promises of God through us, for us, through Jesus. And now here's the key question. Where do we get to know this Jesus? Where do we get to know the Son of of God about whom is this good news. We find him in the four records of his life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that is why we are beginning a series in Mark's gospel today. Specifically today, we are going to be beginning in Mark 1.1 where we will find the big idea is pursue the good news. Pursue the good news. And we are going to spend three weeks on this first verse in Mark. We're going to look at the words gospel or good news. And then today, and then next time we will look at the words Jesus Christ. And then lastly, we will look at the words Son of God. And we're going to do this 
for at least two reasons. The first is that we're going to go over these words, or as we go over these words, we are going to gain a very good understanding of how Mark is laid out. What was the thought that Mark had as he was writing his letter to the church? William Lane, one of the commentators that I'm using in through this series, wrote this. He said, Throughout his entire gospel, Mark bears witness to the word of revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. This initial verse of the gospel dictates the structure of the account which follows. Mark's witness in the first half of this document reaches a point of climax with the confession of Peter at Caesarea Philippi that Jesus is the Messiah. All that has preceded, verse 829, has prepared us for this moment of recognition. And all that follows as Jesus directs his way to Jerusalem and the Passion clarifies what Messiahship entails. The climax to the second half of the gospel is provided in the confession of the centurion in charge of the crucifixion that Jesus is the Son of God. Through the vehicle of these two confessions, one uttered by a representative of Israel and the other by a spokesman of the Gentile world, Mark bears witness to the faith which undergirds this document. Exactly this faith that undergirds and is the foundation for this document, the gospel according to Mark, is the faith that we must live by if we are to be righteous. So the gospel we find in Romans is pointing to the gospel we find in Mark. Now the second reason why we're going to spend so much time here in Mark 1.1 is because we want to know Jesus better. We want to know Jesus better because the better we know him, the more we will love him and trust him. And therefore, we come to Mark 1.1 today, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, as I have noted many times, and many other preachers have said the same thing, there are no flyover verses in the Bible. Don't decide you're going to read the good news according to Mark and then fly over Mark 1.1. Now, wait a minute. Do decide you're going to read the gospel according to Mark. And as you are reading the gospel according to Mark, pay close attention to Mark 1.1. Why? Because this is good news. If you know Jesus of Nazareth as Christ or as Messiah, then the content of your faith is secure. You know and understand what the Messiah is from knowing and understanding the gospel according to Mark. Then, if you recognize that Jesus of Nazareth is also the Son of God, then you will know him as all-powerful and fully capable of fulfilling the promises that he makes to you. And you will have this assurance... You will know this by knowing and understanding the good news according to Mark. And as you do, you will have the courage to take great risks for the great God who loves you and will never leave you nor forsake you. Because, my friends, make no mistake, Mark's gospel is not some dispassionate history book, Mark has an agenda. 
And this agenda is to convince you of and flesh out these two facts. Jesus is the Christ and Jesus is the Son of God. And that as you gain this, to borrow a phrase from John, as you believe, you may have life in his name. Therefore, pursue the good news. Pursue, chase after, exert yourself to catch the good news. What is it that you chase after on a daily basis? Take some of that energy, take some of that drive, and use it to drive you to the gospel. Use it to drive you to knowing and understanding and comprehending the good news according to Mark. Work hard to participate in the good news. Remember, grace is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort. And knowing and understanding God is worth every bit of effort you can pour into it. Grace. Grace is God's undeserved power to accomplish kingdom purposes. Purposes including pouring effort into understanding the gospel and knowing Jesus through his good news. Grace to accomplish his purposes, including you pressing on to know and accept and trust the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, so that you can help your near ones do the same. For those who trust him, for those who know and love and trust Jesus, the water and the blood are for sin the double cure. They save from wrath and make me pure. My friends, the good news is not only for unbelievers who need to be saved from the wrath of God. The good news is for believers who need to press on in their faith so that their life comes to reflect more closely the greatness of Jesus for you this day. And for that matter, every day between now and when He returns. Now why am I spending so much effort in going over this word good news. Well, it's because Mark likes the word good news. And the rest of today's sermon will look at key places where he uses this word good news because you and I need to understand it so that we can be able to live by it, so that we will be able to pursue it. And the next place we find it is Mark 1.15 where he says, Jesus says, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news news. Here's my paraphrase of this verse. Jesus says everything is ready. Where what God wants done gets done, the kingdom of God, where what God wants done gets done is as close as your fingertips. It is at hand. So, the very best thing you can do, the way you can access this power for godliness yourself is to turn from your sin and turn towards God, trusting the promises of God for you and Jesus. Now, as with all the rest of the passages today, we will spend at least one sermon on each of them to develop them as much as I am able to by God's grace, but I'm going to only hit one main point in each of them today. Jesus calls us to repent and believe the good news. 
To repent is to turn away from sin and at the same time turn towards God. To believe the good news is to trust His promises. Namely, most often, trusting His promise is the one to forgive you of your sins and trust that He paid for those sins on the cross. Therefore, pursue the good news. Pursue the good news. Because the time is now. You have available to you the power of God today so that you can repent and you can believe. So you can turn away from your favorite flavor of sin and turn towards the God who is all-sufficient and all-satisfying. Remember, Christian, you belong now to Jesus' forever family. Now, it's true. We have our dominant sin. And if you belong to God's forever family, you hate that sin. You hate that sin when your heart deceives you again and again. So pursue the good news. Pursue the good news means that you fight that sin. You don't roll over and capitulate. You fight. So fight. The time is now. The power of God is available to you. This does not mean you will always win. It does mean you can't always fight. So fight. And this fight is reflected in the very next time Mark uses the word good news. And I find it in verse 835. Jesus says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Trusting the good news is life. Why? Why is trusting the good news life? Because on Christ, the solid rock, we sand. Everything else is sinking sand. Everything else is sinking sand. If you base your life on the love of money, you will find you are on sinking sand. If you base your life on pleasure, you will find you are standing on sinking sand. If you base your life on the search for power, you will find in the end that you stood on sinking sand. You will find yourself up to your neck in death with no way out. That pit goes one direction. You thought you were winning. You thought you beat Vegas, baby. Now, there is so much to this passage. And I imagine by the time we get to Mark 8, 8, we're going to spend several weeks on those verses in the 20s and 30s. But what I want you to see today, just, just one aspect of the life that Jesus pours into those who turn away from chasing after their own life and turn to Jesus. Just one aspect of this life. Listen to how Dallas Willard puts it. He says, self-denial or being dead to self. Self-denial is the condition where the mere fact that I do not get what I want does not surprise or offend me and has no control over me. That's life. 
Self-denial or being dead to self is the condition where the mere fact that I do not get what I want does not surprise or offend me and has absolutely no control over me. That is life, my friend. That is glorious. It is glorious not to be controlled by others' opinions or their actions for or against us. And it is suffering. It is suffering to be rejected by others. And while we remain in this flesh, we will suffer. Very good thing, however, that the Son of God accompanies His disciples to glory through suffering. It is the glory of the living God living in us and through us and for us that gives us the strength we need to suffer. That's what we'll find in Mark 8. And in large part, this suffering has to do with our stuff. Let's just be honest. Our love of stuff. Our loss of stuff. So trust Jesus so that you will not find life in stuff. Instead, pursue the good news. Begin this pursuit of the good news by asking yourself a question. What do I rely on for my protection, my provision, and my purpose? In chasing after stuff, in chasing after where I might find life, plan, yes. Prepare, yes. You need stuff in your life, yes. Panic? No. Trust. Pursuing the good news in this case means that you look at whatever it is you're trying to find life in. In our culture, usually that's stuff. And whatever it is you're trying to find life in, look at whatever it is you're chasing in terms of your relationship with God. Can God provide that for you? Yes, He can. So when you have what you want, Praise Jesus. When you don't have what you want, praise Jesus. And in so doing, you will have a heart that is prepared to receive both promises and persecutions. Where do I get that? Mark 10, 28-30. Peter began to say to Jesus, Look, see, behold, Jesus. We have left everything and followed you. We lost all our stuff. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or land for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Now I want you to note the close correlation between the suffering leaving everything behind as well as the persecutions, and the glory, having everything that we need to glorify God now as well as eternal life. Now in these same verses, we have promise and we have persecution. Jesus leads his disciples to glory through suffering. We have in these verses genuine, costly sacrifice. Peter was not kidding when he said that. And we have reward. 
What is the reward? The reward is the good news. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The reward is life with the family of God. Now I take it to mean that within the family of God there is a reality of the body serving together. Now, to the extent that we are deficient in sharing, we confess that and we must do a better job by God's grace. But we know that we have what we need to glorify God today. So pursue the good news. How are you going to pursue the good news today? Firstly, develop a taste for the rewards that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, offers. They are acquired tastes because usually they don't include stuff. They are an acquired taste because usually it means you're sacrificing your time or your talent or your treasure. You're memorizing Scripture. You're fasting. You're doing acts of service and outreach to your brothers and sisters and to the world. Now, fortunately, these acquired tastes are, at the exact same time, gifts of the Spirit when you pursue the good news. Fortunately, also, these acquired tastes put your tongue out of taste of those things that are poison anyways, like the love of stuff or pleasure or power. So pursue the good news. Do the things you already know you must do. Dig into God's Word often. Pray for your near ones that they would grow in their ability to experience Jesus. Gather together for the purpose of strengthening each other to pursue the good news while they suffer. Share the love of Jesus in both word and deed to those who do not know Him. Pursue the good news. And you will find these new tastes lead you in pursuing the good news also for others. I get this from Mark 13.10. The gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Now you need to see this verse for what it is. In this verse, we see Jesus making a promise. Jesus promises, I will return after the good news is proclaimed. I have a question. Does anybody here want to see Jesus come quickly? I do. Then what are you doing to proclaim the good news? You need to see this verse for what it is. It is a prophecy. Jesus is telling you ahead of time what is going to happen. Why? Because he wants you to know your God reigns. Are you looking into prophecy to encourage your heart so that you remember the most important point? Your God reigns, people of God. And you need to see Mark chapter 13, verse 10, for what it is. It is a declaration. Jesus is the King of kings and the President of presidents. More than anyone else in the universe, what He says goes. So trust Him. Obey Him. Which is actually saying the exact same thing. And pursue the good news. How do I pursue the good news? In this case, I proclaim it. I praise Jesus, I have lips, and these lips are best used for nothing else than speaking the good news into the hearts and minds of those 
near ones that God puts into my path. Well, actually, kissing my wife is a close second used for these lips. But proclaim the good news. Praise Jesus to those around you. Tell them that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. And that is the good news. Pursue Jesus because He is the good news. And lastly, right at the end of Mark's Gospel, we get to 16.15. Jesus said to those who were gathered around Him, Go into all the world and proclaim the Gospel to the whole creation. That was going to shock you. Right now, before we get to this passage, there's really only one thing to say about this verse. Pursue the good news. Share the love of Jesus in word and deed with those Jesus put near you. Now I have an idea. Maybe it's the last application. We said before, count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings and see what God has done. What if we change that old song and say, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings and show what God has done. I am blessed to have many layers of good news every single day. I bet, unless you have forgotten, You have layers of good news. You have layers of blessings as well. They may not be the same, but good news nonetheless. So share it. Show it. Celebrate it to those who are around you. Then do what King David did. Give glory to God in front of others who don't know them so that they hear the good news. Say, hallelujah, like David. Or, as we do in the New Covenant version of the exact same thing, praise Jesus. And as you, will do, as you do that, you will find that you are pursuing the good news. Pursue the good news. Lord Jesus, you are the good news. Enable us to pursue you, especially as we go to the Gospel of Mark, the good news according to Mark. Let us know you better so that we will love you and trust you more. Because as we know you and love you and trust you more, we will be able to celebrate that with our near ones as well. Help us to do that for our joy, for your glory, and for the growth of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.